Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, I'm Claire Venice. And I'm Joff Lacey. It's that time of year. When we bring you the, the best, best of 2021, 2021 people. If you love Petersfield, I love the square, the hangers, the open air swimming pool, lots of fun shops, then the Peapod loves you. It's just a nice town. Everything Petersfield is in the Peapod with Claire Venice and Joff Lacey. Thank you for joining us in a special episode of The Peapod. As we head towards the end of this strange year, Claire and I choose some of our favourite interviews from the many and varied 2021 Peapods we've recorded. From the unforgettable thunderstorm at Durley Marsh Farm to thousands of buzzing bees, through to a green fair and a Viking boat burn, it's fair to say there's always something interesting going on in the Petersphere. John Walker from the Peterful Post brings a roundup of the year's local news and our favourite wild walk sees Susie almost getting lost. We end the Peapod with a song from one of our favourite local artists. It's Hannah Ream and Beg, Steal, Borrow. Claire Venice and Joff Lacey in Petersfield's Peapod. Hello Claire, how are you? Hi Joff, I'm not too bad, thank you. To coin your phrase, how are you? <laughs> well, we're back to recording remotely. Yep. So let's just finish off the year how we started. I know. It's a bit not of delay, great. a bit of echo. <laughs> a long delay. There we go. There we go. <laughs> it is it is what it is. I'm speaking and then 15 seconds later you start. It's <laughs> it's what we it's what we know and love. So, this is our best of peapod for 2021. Um, <laughs> yeah. What's what's been your favourite? What memories have you it, got, Joff? My favourite, and we are playing it in this recording because it was so unexpected. I'm going to have to say it's the bees. Mm. It really is. Okay. I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting to learn so much, but have so much fun in the in the, at the same time. And it was the first time we used these really special little tiny microphones, wasn't it? That we could clip oh, on oh, and we could get up clip really on, yes. close to the bees, <laughs> um, yes. fully protected. But it was it was quite um, an incredible recording. Yes. Yeah, so, and what about yourself, Claire? Yeah, I don't know if I've got one particular one. There are so many varied places we've been to and so many wonderful people we've met this this year. Yes. Um, Particularly the ones coming out of lockdown were just, oh, a joy. Um, And also ones like at the uh, Queen's Head pub in Sheet at the uh, the music festival there and on Alan's boat. That was a laugh uh, and unexpected. Yes. So, and we've met some, you know, we have met some lovely people along the way. I'm, I'm really looking forward to next year and, and continuing that. Yes, and you met a load of turkeys as well. Oh, yes. How could we forget? I think that was that was the beginning of the really cold pea pods, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, we've, we've, we moved from wet pea pods in the summer to some cold pea pods uh, in November and December. Yeah. Who knows what we'll be doing in January, Joff? We seem to discuss this a lot. Have you been boosted yet? I have been. I was boosted last Thursday, which was the 16th of December, um, around about midday. And you, Joff? Uh, Twenty Half past nine the same day. Ah. <laughs> so they, 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 they obviously didn't want to record a peapod there, though. <laughs> we haven't asked. Maybe we could in the new year. <laughs> <laughs> have you suffered any adverse reaction? Just a painful arm where the where the needle went in. Mm. We have had some uh, COVID within the house. So I've I've been, whilst I've been okay, 
I'm, uh, I've been on an airbed in the sitting room, so I feel like I'm isolating myself, even though I'm all right. Is that, is that a group choice uh, from your family? Yeah, yeah. They, they much prefer me being right out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what are your hopes, Joff, for the Peapod next year? I'd love people to get in touch. We have moved with the times. We now have WhatsApp. So it is 01730555500 via WhatsApp. You can get come straight through to me and I'll respond. Look at that for so, uh, <laughs> yeah. You're going to be inundated. I, I hope so. Because uh, Ian Crossman, who does the uh, quiz on a Saturday and Sunday, he is getting messages left, right and centre. So please, I'm going to say it again, 01730555500 via WhatsApp. Stand by your phone, Joff. That's it. So Claire, have you got any aspirations for the Peapod in 2022? I'd like to. There are a couple of places I'd still like to visit that we haven't been, and I'm sure more will, will come up, uh, you know, as we go along in the year. Go, where, 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 do you, where do you fancy? I fancy going to the Forge. Haven't been to the Forge yet. What goes on in there? I mean, I know obviously vaguely, but it, it look, it's an interesting place. I reckon it's all to do with blacksmiths. Myself. I'd have thought so. <laughs> we need to go find out. Just looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't been to the fire station. Hang on. Why is that, Claire? Number of reasons, I think. <laughs> yes. I know you'd like to slide down the pole, wouldn't you, really? <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> I wondered where you were going with that. and uh, <laughs> It's lucky I didn't say it the other way around. <laughs> but, uh, Claire, um, it's not common knowledge, I don't think. But I am 50 in 2022. Now, I, I, would, I, know never, I would never have said that, That's a shock. Thank you. I've decided to try and get fit for 50, okay? okay. So um, I saw something on social media uh, from Prostate Cancer UK where you can run or walk a marathon in January. And I've actually signed up. Oh. And um, I set up a Just Giving page straight away and I've already reached my target. So thank you to everyone who's donated. It'll give me the kickstart that I need to get fit for 50. Oh, that's a brilliant thing to do, Joff. So, if anyone, anyone would like to host the Peapod at the end of April to celebrate my 50th, then please do get in touch on 01730 Now, Claire, can I say that any more times today? Um, possibly not, but I think it's in the script a little bit more as we go along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I'm looking forward to that. That'll be lovely. A nice Peapod party for your 50th, Joff. That's... Um, that's something to look forward to. <laughs> Do get in touch. If there's a story you'd like us to cover or a location you'd like us to visit, or if you'd just like to say hi, we're on, as Joff has said, 01730 for a call or a WhatsApp message. And you can also email us at team at shineradio.uk. Coming up, Paul Abbott at Durley Marsh Farm and that thunderstorm. But first, here's John Walker with a roundup of the year's news from Petersfield and the surrounding villages. Hello, John. How are you? Well, I'm wonderful. Wonderful, Joff. I've got a pint of Guinness sitting here looking at your lovely unshaven face. Just like to start, John, by saying Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. That's a bit forward of you, a bit premature. <laughs> well, the reason I say that, John, this is our last get-together of 2021. And what we're going to do today is just have a, a review of the top stories that hit Petersfield in 2021. So, let's kick off. What was the first story that really caught your eye? 
Well, ironically, Joe, I just do wish you wouldn't be quite so enthusiastic on a Sunday morning. <laughs> to be fair, January the 6th, 2021, Covid cases soar, so stay at home. Moving forward very swiftly, December of this December now, the headline is consultations for Festival Hall cancelled as Covid cases soar. <laughs> so we're in exactly the same spot we were in January at the start of the year. So you're just rehashing the story? Pretty much, Geoff. <laughs> it's what they call a running story in the business. Yes, if we reflect on 2021, it is all once again all been about Covid, vaccinations, boosters. It's as though we're just, it, it, as you say, it's just a never-ending story. Gosh, we can make a film out of that. <laughs> Never-ending story. I'm sure it's been done, but we can adapt it. It was. It was Lamar. That's another one for the teenagers. <laughs> teenagers, but <laughs> That's all I can say. After having to go and get my boy at 8 o'clock this morning from an all-night party, you can stick to teenagers where the sun don't shine, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, uh, moving on. What other stories caught your eye? None, to be fair. <laughs> it's the usual <laughs> Petersfield stuff. Well, in March, uh, but this year we had the lad who went to fly tip at uh, QECP. Oh, yes. And his, his truck got stuck, so he legged it and then phoned him up in the morning and said, do you mind if I come and get my truck? <laughs> Once the laughter had died away, he was told no, which uh, was very good. Uh, in June, there was the um, minor injuries ward at Peacewood Hospital opened to try and relieve the pressure on the A&E department at Portsmouth as, bizarrely enough, COVID cases grow. And how has that, how has that worked? Uh, well, for the bloke with the truck, not very well, to be fair. He's on foot at the moment. <laughs> no, the minor injuries ward. Oh, yeah, apparently that's uh, a big success. It's, yeah, they're, they're doing very, very well. Well, I suppose you shouldn't say that they're doing really very well, which means more people are going in there with injuries, but... The idea is that you go in there and if they can treat you there, and then they will do, as opposed to going down to the A&E at um, Q&A Hospital in Cosham. And I think from everybody's perspective, it is a good thing. And to be honest, once again, it's what the hospital was built for. So why it hasn't been used for that for donkey's years, we can only speculate. I know we started at the beginning of the year talking about bollards and the pedestrianisation. I speak about bollards every week, John. <laughs> and we had... Busgate outside HSBC and Lloyd's. We've never had the planters that were promised. No, we've never had the planters that were promised. The County Council, Hampshire County Council, has been paid out of our taxes to provide those planters. And that's all I can say. They were going to be done in the summer. They were going to be done in the autumn. They were going to be here by Christmas. The look on your face tells me all I need to know. John, let's move swiftly on. Oh, where was it? September. We had the fuel crisis when the country panicked that there was going to be no diesel and no petrol and we were all queuing um, <laughs> for our petrol and our fuel. <laughs> all of us were muttering about panic buying and fools and idiots and don't do it. And then when nobody was looking, we were going off to join the queue to get some <laughs> petrol and diesel. <laughs> But, as it turned out, and, and this is bizarre, it ended overnight. It was amazing. It started, it came out of nowhere in about 48 hours, and then, I think it was on the Sunday, it was over. Monday morning, everything was back to normal. So there was no shortage. It's a bit like the toilet rolls at the start of the pandemic. You couldn't buy a toilet roll in Pizzville for love and the money, but Westmere and 
garage was stacked out of them. <laughs> you know, it's like, there wasn't a shortage, but people will worry. Right, let's move swiftly on because it is the season of goodwill. Topics that we seem to have covered a lot this year is potholes and the festival hall. I thought you said goodwill. <laughs> potholes and potholes, we're going to see more of them. I don't think you can dispute the fact that the council are busy doing nothing about them. As for the festival hall, that will wind its weary way till the end and they'll agree to spend the money if they can ever access it. And something that at this moment in July of this year was priced at £13 million, give or take a few coppers. By the time they get round to doing it, will be probably nearer 20. So, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> but it just seems to be, for me, um, nothing... We don't seem to have moved forward... In anything, whether it be the speeding in the town, the potholes, the pedestrianisation, the bollards, COVID, it's just, we've just seemed to have drifted through the year and we've not moved forward. And again, you're surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, councils, Hampshire County Council, East Hampshire District Council, all the other district councils, all the town and parish councils are all fighting for their survival. This doesn't come out into the public forum that often, but they're all worried that one layer of local government is going to get axed. So they're all busy trying to cover their backs and make it look as though they're a very good council without actually doing anything that means anything on the streets. So they're not doing what they should be doing. They're too busy worrying about what it is, how their council can survive, trying to make a profit in some cases. I mean, you can't... Councils aren't meant to make profits. They're like British Rail or whatever it's called now, or the NHS. It's not meant to make a profit. It's there to provide a service, and services cost money. I don't know what you can do. Well, we can't do anything, Joff. I know it sounds odd the power that is shine radio <laughs> and the peaceful post can't influence <laughs> national and local politics or whatever but um yeah, just gonna live with it i think to finish what was your highlight of 2021 weekend in dorset job to be fair <laughs> just the one weekend in dorset yep the rest of it was pretty <laughs> grim i've got to be fair <laughs> So, uh, EHDC reports £65,000 loss. I I Uh, meant light-hearted. Statue in the square, disarmed after Euro flag scandal. Um, Quite like this. November the 10th, the the Rolex Rippers were uh, in and around town. Been 30 cases reported in Hampshire in the past year, of which seven or eight were in or around Peatsfield. Two women came up and uh, distract elderly gentlemen and then steal their Rolex watches. I don't know how they know these elderly gentlemen have Rolex watches, but they do, and that's what happens. And then I thought, quite an ironic twist, the front page of the post, the first issue of December was, man wins Rolex. (laughs) (laughs) And next week it'll be, man loses Rolex to do women. (laughs) I think it's great. Local journalism at its best. (laughs) Brilliant, John. Thank you so much for meeting up with me every week, and dissecting all that's going on in Petersfield and the surrounding area. You have a lovely Christmas, a happy new year, and I look forward to doing it all again in 2022. And you, mate. You have a very good Christmas. Enjoy your family and um, have a happy, very, very happy 2022. Brilliant, John. Thanks, mate. The Peaceful Post is out every Wednesday and costs 90 pence, worth every penny. So please get one with your weekly shop or subscribe to the digital version. This summer we saw less sun than in 2020 and we dodged the rain as much as we could for our Peapod recordings. However, one particular interview will always be remembered. 
We met with Paul Abbott at Durleymarsh Farm on Monday, June the 28th. Listen out for the torrential rain and a pretty violent thunderstorm too, as Paul gallantly continues to tell us all about his pick-your-own-farm and family-run shop. I'm very well. Hi, guys, and welcome to Durleymarsh. Oh, thanks, Paul. Thank thanks. you Great for having us. So, how long, Paul, has Durleymarsh Farm been here? Oh, for more, many years. Um, I'm the newbie in the block. I'm an Isle of Wight boy and uh, <laughs> subtitles are available uh, through this interview. Um, I, I've, I've only been part of the farm for about three years. Uh, emigrated with my passport from the Isle of Wight. And, um, oh, look at that thunder. Um, and, um, yeah, arrived at Durley. Um, not what I expected to do was... Uh, pick your own or fruit in any uh, any way or form but uh, being a farmer and coming out for a lovely coffee one day I knew this place was up for lease and uh, I just found that uh, it was lovely to see the families picking fruit together and I thought well how many places do you see actually family involvement and I fell in love with it and that was that. So you mentioned you're a farmer you were obviously farming on the Isle of Wight is that something that's in your family as well then? Yeah I the thing I can explain to you is that if you ever saw the programme, Darling Buds of May, that was my life. I've got to be honest with you. I grew up in the most amazing lifestyle. Um, and my wife, when I talk, she goes, oh, here he goes again. But it, it's, it, it, it was as that programme was with David Jason. It was amazing. Um, I, I learnt a lot of old-fashioned ways of life. I uh, had a great childhood. I had everything that... I wish my children could experience now. Um, yeah, I was a normal farmer. We were a mixed farm. We were dairy up to 1980. We then changed. Uh, sadly, I lost my mum young. Uh, I took over the reins and diverted the farm into being a lavender farm. Uh, subsequently, made cosmetics and so on. Um, represented the Isle of Wight at Chelsea Flower Show for many years. Uh, brought out new varieties and one of the biggest collections in the world and and so forth and now I'm doing strawberries <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's interesting you say strawberries because I actually haven't been here for a while and I, I have come here as I said earlier with my children when they were younger and the strawberries and now I can see are up above the ground is that something that that you've you've done since being here yeah yeah I'm I had to look at when we took over um I thought to myself, um, I need to take it a different direction. Um, with any farmer, you are, you've got to understand the land that surrounds you, what's going on underneath as well as over above you. Um, my aim is to come away from the more sort of, from getting away from sprays and and diseases in the ground, etc. So tabletops has been around, but I find it's a new venture for here. It allowed Hello. <laughs> Someone just shot at me. Um, uh, I just find this is, this is a way forward for the farm because it allows us to pick a, a height that's pickable, especially when you get old like myself and you can't bend down anymore. Um, it allows to grow fruit above the problem, if that makes sense. I must say, it's absolutely hammering it down. We are undercover, so we are watching it. We are outside. How has the, the weather affected you this year? <laughs> it's been absolutely awful. I mean, it's, it, this is the worst thing for fruit. If you get rain on it and then humid conditions, you get mildew. And it's been awful. Don't get me wrong, we're planting in uh, new, vero uh, new uh, techniques for pot raspberries uh, and pot, uh, normal raspberries as well. And they get watered in. So you gain with one hand, you lose with another. But uh, it's been a, such a, a crazy 18 months, it really has. I mean, we, we've been one of the lucky ones, as many farm shops. You know, we, like, should I say, a lot of us farm shops 
and farmers have sort of been the backbone of the industry and this country when we've been going through such a bad time and we've supported the local economy and we've supported lots of people that unfortunately have had a tough time. So we're proud of ourselves and I'm proud of the people that work with me because again a business is only as good as the people that surround you and I'm, I'm very lucky in that. Um, so yeah it's been a funny year, I mean it's crazy, you couldn't have written the story but um, we're, we're still going on, we're still going strong and we're still trying to you know get people to get out into the countryside and enjoy themselves. Yes so you obviously didn't have the shop long, the area long, uh, before Covid did hit then? Oh no, I mean we were lucky, I mean we managed to keep our doors open, uh, many other people couldn't uh, and uh, we, you know it, we, we just have to, we have to think, we, we have to be grateful for that situation. Um, don't get me wrong, we, we wanted to do so much more last year but because we didn't know whether we could open to the public for picking, uh, we couldn't sort of do the, the projects that we wanted to do um, and it's, yeah, it, you have to, with any business, you have to sort of plan and hope that things, you know, work out. What is your crop calendar? So what do you do during the summer and then over the winter? Okay, so if we if we look at the winter months are quite quiet, but for, for pick your own, that is, it doesn't stop us having to prepare everything for the new new year ahead. So what might be quieter in January, February, um, we're already gearing up then to, to start preparing ground, planting our polytunnel up with uh, uh, the produce that we need to put out on the forecourt um, and cabbages and so forth for the following year. We then sort of start um, with our asparagus which comes into the shop um, and over the years here it's, had, it's got a fantastic reputation. Uh, oh, hello. Uh, I obviously upset the nice. bus today somewhere along the line. Um, so, uh, um, I hope you got that. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, so anyway, well, uh, he, he obviously doesn't like asparagus, but anyway. Um, so yeah, we start off with the asparagus, we have then gooseberries if we don't get attacked by too many pigeons, and then we come into the sort of strawberry season, uh, so that's now, and then all the rest of the fruit follows follow suit. So the blueberries, um, the red currants, uh, hybrid berries, etc, etc. Through the year, we get to the, at the end of the summer, we then come into pumpkin season where we do pumpkins. Um, and then it sort of leads into Christmas and then it all starts again. You mentioned that when you were on the Isle of Wight you grew lavender. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you want to bring here? I, I've already I've got lavender going here. Um, <laughs> I've, 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 <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, it's like the Battle of Trafalgar. Um, anyway, um, I'm, I, I've got lavender here, yeah, and uh, it's a great plant for helping you to relax in thunderstorms. Um, <laughs> going to be sniffing yeah. it pretty soon. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Uh, um, yeah, no, I, I, many years ago when mum was alive, she said to me, she said, Paul, there's something in herbs, and this is back before we done Chelsea, so this was sort of late 80s, and um, <clears throat> anyway, I fell in love with a variety called, uh, I always remember it, called Arabian Night, which was an intermediate, uh, most fantastic, and I thought, yeah, this is way forward for us. And at the time, there was only three in the country that actually done lavender. So um, we've actually got over 180 varieties uh, for our national collection and from there I've always brought lavender no matter where I've moved around or whatever I've always had the lavender collection following me around so I, I predominantly st still stick with the English varieties of lavender that's all ones that give you this heady scent uh, and uh, we, we always call it English but it's actually a Mediterranean plant and um, 
I, I just still love it now. So I've actually bred some new varieties which are quite unusual. Have you? Mm-hmm. Well, that's exciting. Are they available yet? Or is not that yet, not yet. Something I, to no, no I, I, I've grown many which I think, oh, that's quite not, that's not quite good enough or that's not got the scent or that's too leggy. But I have got some. I've got a lovely grey lavender which I want to bring out in the next couple of years which is quite unusual. Um, and I've got some lovely tall, heavy scented blues and pinks and uh, yeah, there's something else, yeah. I didn't realise there were that many different varieties mm. to be honest. Mm. They're so, I used to collect them all over the world and keep speaking in different areas of the world and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite, that, that cultivar has got many species in the, in the world itself. Mm, so much to look forward to, definitely. <laughs> oh, it's a nicer smelling farmer on the Isle of Wight, if nothing else. <laughs> so what's, what's your favourite crop other than lavender? I'm a big veg grower, so I, I, I love veg. Um, I suppose growing up eating veg is a lot and whatever else. I, I used to go to the shows with my grandfather. He, used to sh- he was an amazing shower of vegetables. And we used to, like cousins, used to pick up these biggest marrows that you used to get and take them to the car. And so I suppose it's been quite a passion. And he also used to take me in the shed. And I, I always think this is for, like, for children. I think we, as farmers, we ought to in- inspire young children to get there and grow vegetables and, be, and learn from the ground up. Because I can remember m- my grandfather taking me into the greenhouse with a tomato and telling me what you could pick and what you couldn't pick. And that, to me, is what inspires you, is when you're young. And that's where we, we've got to harness that now. And if, if nothing else, else with the COVID situation, it has enlightened that now. People are growing, people are there, and kids are getting involved. You know, and if I can help that anyway, that's where I want to push forward and, and see these new generations come up. Get away from this technology a bit and get your hands dirty. That's what I want to see. Going back to, to the shop and, and it being open, are you open full time now then for people to come and, and pick what's available? Yeah, we're, we are open. Um, at the moment, we, we, we're, we can only open the fields as when the fruit allows us to open. Um, days like today where it's wet, it's, it becomes unpickable, so you, you, you can't really have too many people there. It, it does more damage than good. Um, but in a minute when the sun shines and we're, we're wishing for rain, there'll, there'll be lots to, for people to pick and, and choose and, and just basically have a day out with the children great it's a great space to come it really is thank you so much for having us here oh it's a pleasure and uh, you know as i said it it's a local place for for people we support other local businesses with produce and stuff like that and you know people come up and and the nice thing about farm shops is there's a community spirit with it you can you can come up people talk to the to each other and they see what's going on they ask questions and you don't get that from your normal high street type of shop it's, it's a nice thing and a lot of great farm shops out here, especially in Hampshire. I mean, see them because they are brilliant. Many thanks to Paul Abbott for hosting the Peapod this week. For more information about Durley Marsh Farm, you can visit their website or Facebook page, which is updated regularly. The P stands for Petersfield. It's like the best town ever. <laughs> the Peapod. We revisit one of Susie Wilde's walks from 2021. It's her 100th and features both bluebells and holly in April. But there's trepidation as Susie tries not to get lost. Yes, it was a pheasant. Did you hear it? Good girl. I'm just on my own with Rain. We're on our way to pick up the foster dog. And I like to walk her at the Severals. Um, I haven't really come here before, and it's wonderful. I want to know why it was called that. I mean, well, we all know what the word actually means, but usually words 
had different meanings, didn't they, when they're ages ago. But it's wonderful. We walked down and nearly reached the river, so it was jolly lucky we didn't have our little water baby with us. Um, and then there was a sort of morass, and she would have definitely been in that. But Rain's being as good as I expect. Good girl. I'm waiting while I'm chatting here. But I thought I would just explore with you the severals. So I'm going to walk and talk as usual. There's usually a sort of loose spaniel when I've been here before. There's a sort of a demented black cocker that just sort of thunders through. And I've never seen its owner. None of us have. Uh, But it seems to know what it wants to be doing and it keeps turning up. So presumably it knows where to go and rest its head at night. And it reminded me of a dog that we used to have in the village when we lived in Titchfield who would come down from the council estate, reasonable way, maybe a ten-minute walk, um, along South Street where we lived to the butcher, would collect his bone for the day and walk back to his house with it. And it was rather wonderful. There are some ancient sort of broadleaf trees in here and a lot of fir. Right, I'm walking on now. I was being given a very old-fashioned stare by you-know-who, meaning you need to crack on or else we'll be late picking her up. Um, I don't know if we can go that way. And all the paths seem to be taking us off right, and I know we have to go left. If I could hear a car, I'd know roughly where the road was. So, in other words, the whole reason why I started recording this is because it's like the old days. So, if you remember when I began all these walks... I used to get lost regularly. Well, so I have again. Last time it was the other side of the road and I didn't have my phone with me so I couldn't record it anyway. And this time on the other side. And this just goes on for miles and miles. I think you could walk probably into Midhurst. I'm sure you could this way. There are some wonderful houses. And last time I did it, the weather was a lot warmer. Although it's sunny, it's not too warm yet but I think next week is is getting a lot better good look rain there's a left turn let's go left good girl anyway so with the three of us were walking down here and I heard splashing and children's voices and I realized there was a sort of pool party going on in one of the houses which I thought oh that's splendid and then of course I suddenly thought water baby um and she had the glint in her eye but actually she's now got so good And I just did one burst of the stop whistle. She hasn't quite mastered the stop because that's a sort of gun dog thing. So rain stops and sits. um, But I don't demand it of of her because she doesn't know that. She comes to me and sits in front of me. So that's good. Right, good. So there's lots of holly. I hope there might be some bluebells, but I think there are too many fir trees in here. So the soil is covered, I mean the path's quite dry on the whole, apart from the morass and it's covered in sort of dead needles oh and actually there's a grey cloud up there isn't there so it's it's actually rather pleasant underfoot shall we try this one this is where I always go wrong Rain gave me the look of no I think you'll find the car is up here and then I trust her and we just get more and more lost anyway I shall leave you now just with this thought that you may never hear from me again. I should be wandering the severals for several months. Anyway, have a lovely week. Thank you, Susie, for your wonderful wild walks this year. 
Coming up, our 2021 adventures continue at the Sustainability Centre and at Butzer Ancient Farm. First, let's go back to a warm, late summer evening along a beautiful country lane. The sun was setting, the view was picturesque, and Claire and I were surrounded by thousands of bees. The Petersfield Beekeeping Association's swarm manager, Rowan Roberts, welcomed us warmly to the apiary and introduced us to the art of beekeeping. Welcome to the apiary. I'm very well. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. As I said earlier, it's, it's lovely. It's beautiful, isn't it? And, and how long have you been... We've had this apiary sited here since 1989. So, yeah, at the minute we've got nine hives here that are all functional and up and running. So hopefully we'll have a look in one of them. Can't wait for that. Can't wait for that. So within nine hives, how many bees could we get up and close and personal with? In each hive at the peak of season can be around 50,000 bees in a hive. At the moment, they're just starting to decrease and cluster, ready for the winter. So they're, they're preparing now for winter and starting to decline in colony size. Obviously still maintaining the queen who sits in the middle and is kept warm by all the other bees. Very much like how we've stood this evening. We're either side and the queen, i.e. Claire, is in the middle. <laughs> I don't think we're keeping her warm. <laughs> Uh, when he said 50,000, uh, I had to stop myself from taking a step back yeah. towards the lovely country lane we came up. <laughs> now, Rowan, how long have you been involved with the Petersfield Beekeepers Association? Oh, I'm a relative newbie. I've only been keeping bees for six years. So okay. Quite new in beekeeping terms. Yeah. <laughs> and what attracted you to beekeeping? For me personally, the honey. Oh. And. As a result of wanting honey as a crop, I live on a small holding, I found I needed to know what was going on and to try and understand how the bees were behaving and that in itself becomes an ever-increasing study, if you like. The more you learn, the more you realise you don't know and the more you have to learn. So, so it, it's a hobby that gives and gives and gives. So every day's a school day, Absolutely, as they say. absolutely. Learn something every single day. Now, it seems to be quite an active group, the Petersfield Beekeepers Association. How often do you come here to this location? The apiary is open every Sunday for members to come and visit. The custodians visit to feed the bees and look after the bees in between, but the members are invited every Sunday. So it's open in beekeeping season, so about end of March till about end of September every Sunday. Outside of those, we, we give talks and we do a course for new beekeepers and things like that that keep people interested and motivated with their bees. And you say they're fed during the week. What do bees live on? Well, this year has been very difficult for bees. The, the weather's been hot and then cold and their forage has been hit and miss. When I'm talking about forage, that's where they get the nectar from and the crops have been hit and miss. So they've been gathering honey but then getting a rainy spell and eating it all and having no stores, if you like. So we feed them a sugar syrup. Depending what time of year it is, it differentiates the strength of the syrup. Um, but at, mostly at the moment we're feeding a two-to-one syrup, so that's two parts sugar to one part water. Simple as that. It's to build them up, is to it? Build to build them, them up, up yeah. ready for winter, yeah. Now, your title is Swarm Manager, which to me is quite, quite a scary title to have. How long have you been handling swarms of bees? I mean, not literally, I hope. Well, yeah, yeah what they do is going to let them out and cover you. 
Bee person. When bees swarm, they're actually at their calmest, so they're not as frightening as they appear. They've filled their honey tummies with honey, ready for their new journey and to find a new home. And because their abdomens are full, they can't bend and sting you. So generally, they're calmer. But I would never take risks with them. I've been coordinating the swarms in this area for a couple of years. Before that was another guy doing it. Um, We get probably 40 or 50 swarms a year that are allocated to members on a first-come, first-served basis. They'll go along, catch the swarm into a box, let it settle, and then when they know they've got the queen, they'll take it home and hive it up. So, you've got nine hives here. Yep. How much honey would one hive produce? If it's well managed, probably 30 or 40 pounds of honey. 30 or 40 jars. Now, is that runny honey or <laughs> solid? It comes honey? out as runny honey. We have to process it a little bit to make it creamed or solid honey. And where, whereabouts do you, do you sell the honey? Whenever we do shows, we sell honey. Yep. Uh, the members are able to sell honey at shows as well of course with covid we've been restricted on how far we've got out but yeah we sell locally in many shops many of our members sell that when you produce honey you have to label it as to who's produced it with your address so uh all traceable in fact the best honey is the local bought stuff so if you get a chance buy a locally produced honey you know what's in it (laughs) and so when when you you lift the is it the slat up where all the honey's in? How do you then get it from there into... How do you then produce That's a good it? question. Not a lot of people know. Um, inside the hive, we keep the queen in one area called the brood box because she'll lay all her eggs in there and we don't want eggs and larvae in amongst the honey. So the honey's laid in the, the top boxes and once they've capped it we know the honey's mature because it it has to have a limited amount of water content in it otherwise it will ferment in your jar and then we take the cappings off with a knife and spin it in in a centrifuge if you like to throw the honey out and it's gathered at the bottom where we then filter it and settle it to take all the air out of it clever process so if someone's listening now and would like to get involved with the association how do they do that you can certainly visit our website we run a course for beginners starts in february next year and is a six-week classroom based um, and practical input before you come to the apiary and actually handle bees Um, so if you want to join up give us a call there's a membership number on there or an email address and get in contact and we'd love you to come along. And how many members do you have? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm, I'm full of it. Lots. <laughs> Quite a few. Right. Over 180. So can they all have access to They've the all got access, but let's hope they don't all come at once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ron, it's been lovely talking to you. Thank and you very you. much for Thanks hosting for the Peapod this week. It's, it's a stunning location. Thank you. Thank you. The Peapod Events Guide. What's on in the Petersphere? Over the Christmas period, why not tune in to your local radio station, Shine Radio, at shineradio.uk. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You'll find a wide variety of programmes available, as well as special Christmas editions, carols from our local schools and your favourite local presenters. 
And if your New Year's resolution is to volunteer with Shine Radio, get in touch. Whether you'd like to present a show or prefer to be behind the scenes, there's a space for you. Contact us on 01730 either by phone or WhatsApp, or email team at shineradio.uk. We'd love to meet you. If you're running an event, get it in the guide. Just email pod at thepeapod.uk. At the beginning of September, we visited the Sustainability Centre for the Inspirational Green Fair. Postponed from May 2020, the Green Fair provides ideas of how to live a greener life and to connect with people involved in practical sustainability. Ahead of COP26 and amidst talk of climate change being inevitable and irreversible, CEO Christine Seward spoke to us about eco-living, quick fixes and understanding the larger issues facing our planet. Hi, lovely to have you here. Well, thank you for having us. Oh, my pleasure, our pleasure. And thank you for stopping by to have a chat with us because this is a busy, busy day for you, I imagine. Busy day, but really exciting. Lovely to be open, have people back. And it feels almost normal now, <laughs> yeah, which is it, great. It does, absolutely. What, what does today mean for you, though? Well, this is really our open arms to the community. So we have probably, if we're lucky, about 2,000 people through the gate. Um, We've got, as you've already said, lots of stalls and talks and activities. But it is our reaching out to the community and saying, if you ever wondered how you could be green and who you could be green with, it's today. So we hope to inspire people. We hope to have a lot of fun. And people find out, what do the sustainability centre do? And that is going to be my my question because I've never been here before. Even though I've lived in Peterswood all my life, I've never been to the sustainability centre. What is it? So we are an outdoor learning education centre. Um, we welcome over three thousand um, pupils, school pupils here every year to our education programme. We have adult courses. We've got a really lovely new B&B, which I'll tell you about in a minute. Um, But it's all about practical skills for greener, more ethical, more fair lives. That's what we're about. So Joff and I were talking at the beginning of the show about how, you know, we can make little eco differences in our lives. And um, I've bamboo toothbrushes, Joff's got a compost bin, that kind of thing. But here is, is a really good place to find out about how you can make those changes without it feeling too stressful or too much of a massive change in, in everyone's busy lifestyles. So that's what you're here for, isn't it, to help people with those decisions? It is, absolutely. So I would say ask better questions, get better answers. Um, every single thing you do could be green. For example, a bamboo toothbrush or... Where's your pension invested? What's your bank doing with your money? Ask them questions. You want that invested in green futures. You don't want it invested in fossil fuels. If you tell them, they'll listen, they'll change. But also, yes, it's about individuals, but it's also about community. And community here, there are so many things that you can do together. We've got Peacefield Action on Climate Change who are here They are running an amazing eco-retrofit project. So you can go to them, find out how you can make your house green. You can find out who else in your neighbourhood is doing the same and how you can join together. So you're not a voice in the dark, you're a voice in the green. There's also WINAC, who are Winchester Action on Climate Change. 
they're running an equally marvellous um, eco-retrofit project. So you can go to them and they will help you. The greening campaign, that's all over Hampshire. So those are avenues in to doing something more than a bamboo toothbrush. Nothing wrong with a bamboo toothbrush, I would say. What are your hopes from today? I hope that every single person who comes here goes away with a little nugget of information that they didn't have before. They're inspired to do something, to act, to make their voice count and to know that their voice is not alone. So anything, just please don't leave it to someone else. Every single person matters, every single voice matters, every single action matters. And I, I, I think that is the issue for potentially a lot of people. We are just a, a small town in Hampshire. What difference are we going to make? I, I, I absolutely get that question. No difference at all if you do nothing. So do something, mm. act don't think that someone else is going to do it for you you're going to do it for you you're going to do it for your community if every small town and every single person in every small town did something that would add up to a huge change that's what we need Mm. our planet is calling for a big change you can't even hesitate to know that climate change is real 10 years ago we were still arguing about whether it was or not this year We know, because we've been told over and over again, that we're on red alert. That is what we need to listen to, what we need to respond to. I'm talking later about COP26. Um, COP26 is the UN Climate Change Conference that's taking place in October. Have your voice heard. Speak to your MP. Tell him that you care. Give him the courage to stand up and say the things you want to say. It's great advice. Thank you, Christine. Now, the Green Fair is just here for one day, but the Sustainability Centre is open year-round. And there are various different workshops and events going on at the Sustainability Centre, aren't there? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, there are. We run a a schools programme for schools in the area who are travelling to us about an hour in a coach is about as much as they can handle. So an hour in a coach, they come here for a day and they will do a fantastic day programme with our education team, all tied into the curriculum. We run residential courses so schools from further away can come and stay in our eco-lodge and they're here for a week and we'll take them through something called the South Downs Experience which is again tied into the curriculum but it has many other aspects about food and farming, recycling, water. It's a fantastic programme and I can't remember all of the things that are in it right now but um, that's just for schools. For um, everyone else... um, then there's an adult courses program all on our website have a look all sorts of things from eco retrofit workshops so how to make your house greener through to how to make a willow basket and everything in between Um, the cafe that we have here is a vegan vegetarian cafe so that people can try a plant-based diet without having to commit and then they find out it's more delicious than what they've been eating already. So that's a big change. Joff Lacey. Just uh-huh. had to m- mention him there. <laughs> um, and, of course, we have a natural burial site here. And we are managing this 55 acres of land as a rewilding project. So we are a former MOD site. Many of you will probably know that this used to be HMS Mercury. 
So that was the communications school for the Navy. Over a million people trained here back in the day. And we are now sending out a different message. So Mercury, messenger of the gods. Um, and we are now sending a 21st century message out from here. And what we do with our land, our buildings, our people is all about walking our talk. We're authentic. That's what we try and do. We're not perfect like the rest of the world, but we're getting there. Thank you very much, Christine. Uh, many thanks to you and the Sustainability Centre and the Green Fair for hosting the Peapod this week. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming. It's a delight. Thanks, Enjoy Christine. the day yourselves. Thank you. And finally, towards the end of September, we embraced our inner Vikings at Butzer Ancient Farm's inaugural Viking Boatburn. This spectacular event involved the clash of shield walls and a fair amount of mead. We spoke to Butzer Ancient Farm's director, Maureen Page, about the importance of these events at this remarkable location, right on our doorstep. Good evening. Good evening, Hi. Maureen. How are you? Oh, it's fine. It's a lovely evening. We've got some fantastic weather and we've got a lovely group of uh, visitors all coming onto the site now. Really it's nice. starting to get quite busy, isn't it? It's yes. early on in the evening. It started at five o'clock. Yes. We're about half an hour into it now. We've had a wander around. There's a buzz in the air. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's exciting. I think people really wanted to... People, are, I think, have missed coming out and doing things. And, and I think this is why... That's one of the reasons we wanted to hold tonight. It's a really good opportunity to welcome people here to the farm and, and everybody's really excited to, to be part of it. We're recording Saturday evening. I believe you've had some events during the day, is that right? We have. We've, uh, this is a very busy weekend. So we've got our own group of um, Herigus Hundus Saxons who come quite regularly to us. They're fantastic. Um, and they wanted to invite a group of Vikings for this weekend, Woofer, um, who have come quite a distance from, um, I think... East Sussex and um, it's a wonderful opportunity so they've been here all day today and they're going to be here all day again tomorrow and they're showing people how they would have lived as Saxons and Vikings and they also do quite a bit of fighting which is very attractive and very exciting um, and we felt it was just too good an opportunity they were really keen to hold an evening event and we thought a boat burning would really fit the bill I think we've all been suffering a little bit from um, um, a sort of withdrawal symptoms, not being able to have had Beltane for two years running. So this is our um, opportunity to burn something. And we've built this, uh, this lovely Viking boat. It seems a real shame to burn it, but I'm sure it's going to burn really, really well. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm sure you can hear in the background... Uh, I'm sure it's Viking noise of some sort. Is that right? I imagine, Geoff. I don't know why you're looking at me, though. <laughs> but, yes, it certainly sounds threatening and Viking-like. Uh, there is a procession oh, going on in f ahead of us, actually. Some drummers and some people dressed up in Vikings. Yes, Viking these are definitely Vikings. <laughs> I'm glad yes. we're standing where we are. We're well, right yes. back. So where they are they heading, scary. Maureen? Um, I think they're heading over in that direction and they're probably going to try and um, attack the Vikings, uh, the Saxons, I don't know. Um, I suspect there'll be another group coming past or maybe the other group's going past in the other direction so that they can meet up. Do you think there'll be a shield wall? Uh, very likely. Oh, I hope very so. Very likely. So um, there's, a, there's a good number of them and their, um, their living space, their tents and all the things they brought are fantastic. It's a really lovely way to show people how, how our ancestors used to live. And if your ancestors were Viking, of course. <laughs> yes. yes. And this event sold out quite quickly, didn't it? It sold out very quickly. I think that just shows how keen people are to uh, mix and um, 
be outside but together. I think that's a really lovely opportunity. And that's a great thing about this site because it is all outside, isn't yes, it? Yes. So although it has been a difficult 18 months, it, you have been able to keep the site open, particularly this year. Yes, we've been really, really fortunate. We've got houses and we've got other structures, but um, people have been very careful. We've asked them to wear masks and to social distance and be aware of other visitors. And people have been really very careful, which is lovely. So we feel very confident that it's a nice, safe place for people to come. But most of the time people are outside and especially over the summer when the weather's good and the weather today has been absolutely glorious. It has. Now, are there any other events going on for the rest of the year or do things start? Oh, we've got lots of things going on. Um, During the week, we have school um, groups visiting and so we're not open to the public when we have school visits because we want to keep everybody as safe as possible. But at weekends, we're open weekends all the way through to the end of October um, for general public visiting. We've got lots of things going on. And at half term, we are having a special week of Bronze Age uh, themed activities because that will be a time the first time that our new bronze age area will be open to the public uh, something that we've been building and we are still building with um operation nightingale it's um a support group for veterans and they've been fantastic they've done a lot of building they're still building and come the beginning of october we're hoping it'll be finished so that for half term at the end of october it will be open to the public and they'll be able to see how bronze age people would have lived here that's really interesting do you are you selling tickets for that event so people can just come along they can book online mm-hmm. but it'll be normal opening hours and people can come along during the day and and see what and, and have a go at things as well okay so, yeah. that's good to hear thank you so much Maureen. really lovely to see you again and you happen to be luckily manning the mead and drink oh yes (laughs) so we might pop back and see you later well thank you it's it's a very fortuitous place to be (laughs) thank you very much thank you thank you morning and that's it for our best of 2021 peapod thank you for joining us along the way we hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed presenting thanks also to our many peapod guests throughout this year to Susie Wilde for her inspirational walks, to John Walker for his upbeat local news chats, and to the amazing volunteer team at Shine Radio who support the show and help to put it together. We end this week's Peapod with a belter of a song from one of our favourite Hampshire local artists. It's blues, jazz and soul singer-songwriter Hannah Ream and Beg, Steal, Borrow. We'll be taking a little break for a few weeks, but we'll be back out and about at a location near you soon, hopefully. So from Joff and I this year, Happy Christmas and New Year. Year. I ain't gonna beg, and I don't wanna steal. I just wanna borrow that man. Is that all right? I ain't got no ski. I just need a feel.
Christmas, Noni. Merry Christmas. To a happy, baby. healthy Christmas. Cheers. Cheers. How spontaneous and fun. You'll know that I like food. Um, quite <laughs> Really, James? What are you expecting for Christmas, guys? Uh, new shoes. <laughs> new shoes? Oh, okay. They're not bad. What you've got on there, are they? Turkey, Yorkshire puddings, stuffing. It's got to be pigs in blankets. Oh. Have you bought anything yet? A sausage. <laughs> <laughs> a sausage and they said our local traders are not going to get very rich on one sausage it's really really lovely really really busy lots of lovely people we had so much fun everybody just came together and it was just great the stars burning bright on the church tower Merry Christmas Merry Christmas come home for Christmas with Petersfield's Shine Radio let's go home together are you particular about your stuffing? Now you've put me on the spot. 